Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And here's your host, who lives in Canada and has never really understood hockey, Dr. Grace Lee. Eight tips to communicate better in the workplace to your boss or to colleagues or to your relationships outside of work as well. Communication is extremely important for not just for building a relationship, but also for building a team working towards a common outcome, right? Because communication is not something you do to someone. It is something you do for someone. So communication is very selfless. Right. When in your communication, you are thinking about them. You are thinking about how you can serve them in your communication. So the simplest, de- the simplest definition for communication is when you are trying to convey your thoughts, trying to convey your feelings, trying to convey your ideas, or trying to convey some sort of future vision to someone else in a way that they can receive it in a way that they can understand and in a way that they can have the space without judgment to react in the way that they want to, right? That is the simplest explanation for communication. As you can see from that definition, the distinctions are that it is, it is selfless. When you are communicating, you are communicating for them. You are not trying to primarily be understood. You are seeking to understand. You are seeking to convey in a way, in ways that they will understand it. And in that sense, You give first, you give your value first, and you create that environment, that environment between you two that is productive and encouraging and influential. Right. So today I want to share with you eight tips to communicate better. And so the first thing is to learn the shared language. And no matter who you are communicating to, no matter what environment, it could be at the workplace or in the household with your spouse or with your kids or out in restaurants with your friends, there is a shared language. Right. In the workplace, there are, for example, industry-specific terms. Maybe there is office jargon. Maybe there is a language. It's, for example, you know, I was in neuroscience. We have a lot of jargon and neuroscience terms that people on the outside don't understand. So that's the shared language. When I used to work in the lab doing my research in the hospital, we had a lot of industry-specific terms. We had a lot of academic jargon that people outside of that environment don't understand. And so you must learn the shared language in order for you to communicate. Language is the most important tool that you use to communicate. And so the shared language is that it doesn't just mean that the words you use out of the dictionary. It means that sometimes words out of the dictionary mean something different in that environment. So you must learn what is the shared language that stems from the shared background in that environment that you are trying to get into. Right, So learn what they are, and you can simply learn it by talking to people, doing your research about it, by really actively listening. Right, So that's the first thing, is you got to learn what the shared language is. And that language was there before you even came. Right, It was there since the beginning of time, and it is constantly evolving as well. As the industry evolves, as the people evolve, sometimes words are no longer used, and that is part of the shared language, is Sometimes it's a trending term. Sometimes it is um, one-time use only, right? Sometimes it is situation-specific. So you have to be able to move with it. You have to be able to pivot with the shared language as well. The second tip is to create and enrich connection. And also connection is is that 
relationship you have with the other person that you are communicating with between two or more individuals. And the important ingredients in connection is that there has to be trust between the two of you. There has to be a degree of authenticity, right? And there also has to be a degree of vulnerability, right? So those are the three ingredients for connection, right? It is trust, authenticity, and vulnerability, right? And really, when you have a connection with someone, you are authentic. It means that you are operating out of, out of what is true to you, right? You are being vulnerable. In other words, you, are, you have the courage and you have the willingness to admit your weaknesses, right? And to also ask for help with your weaknesses, to ask for help and support. Because when you are asking for help and support, two things happen. First, you get the help you need, right? And secondly, you are cementing the other, purpose, the other person's purpose, when you ask for help, it is actually serves dual purposes. People genuinely want to help. And when you genuinely ask for help and they are both willing and able to help you in that way that you're asking for help, then they solidify, they cement their purpose and they want to help. And then therefore they feel helpful, right? And lastly, trust. It is, a, it is knowing that there is some predictability in what you're going to do and what you're going to say. And that predictability gives them security to be able to have to make a connection with you. So connection is really the link between two or more people. And it really determines the effect that we have on each other. When we have a connection, we have an effect on each other. And that effect depends on what type of connection you have and what type of communications you have. But that is the distinction of connection is that there is a link and there's an effect that you have on one another. Right, So create and enrich that connection by embracing vulnerability and by knowing that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It takes courage to ask for help, especially when you know that you are helping the other person to fulfill their purpose when you genuinely ask for it and they're both willing and able to offer that help as well. The third tip to communicating better is to listen better. right? And there's a difference between listening and hearing. right? Hearing is what happens subconsciously, right? The sound waves go into your ear, they travel through your auditory canals, and then it reaches your brain, and, it, and then you, in your brain, uh, your brain, um, your brain determines those signals, right? Deciphers those signals into language that is recognizable, and therefore the meanings it has meanings because of prior knowledge, right? So hearing happens subconsciously, it happens through sound waves, it happens physiologically. But listening is not subconscious, it is active, it is conscious. Listening means that you are being present, you are creating a space for them to be truthful and honest and also being vulnerable to you, and that goes back to creating connection, right? So you can listen better by embracing silence. There is a concept called the 80-20 rule, and what it means is that 80% of the results come from only 20% of your effort, right? So that was the original definition of the 80-20 rule. But you can follow the 80-20 rule here. And what that means is that you're letting the other person talk 80% of the time while you embrace silence. Because it's our reaction to want to respond, our reaction to want to defend, our reaction to want to explain ourselves. But that is not the ingredient for communication, because remember, communication is something you do for someone else, not to them. It is selfless. So you're embracing silence, letting the other person talk 80% of the time, and it gives people time to reflect and think about what else they have in mind. And so therefore, they tell you 
they're they're more likely to tell you if you embrace silence. They're more likely to tell you what else they have in mind. And what they're doing is they're giving you the content so that you can put a frame around it. You can put the context around it and you can help them in the way that they need help. And that is the crux of communication is to be able to add value by communicating ideas, what happens next, right? And you can also listen better by being present. Listening is also completely focusing on the interaction you have with that person. Try not to look at your phone or any other distractions or let your mind wander. It is truly being present because that is really the only thing that you can control. It is the present. You can't control the past or the future, but you can control the present. And your present affects how you see the past and it also affects the course of what happens in the future, right? And lastly, you can listen better by taking the time to clarify. You know, tell them what you heard them say. And then when you, when it is your time to talk, which is 20% of the time, you can ask them, okay, so what did you hear? So that clarification, taking the time to clarify, it helps to avoid any miscommunication, but it also provides a safe space, an environment of truth-telling, truth-seeking, Right. So the third tip is to listen better. The fourth tip is to hold the responsibility for the communication. If you are the initiator, the initiator of that communication, it is actually your responsibility to ensure that you're communicating clearly, clearly. Right. And I got this wrong in the beginning, you know, in my earlier career, when I was just starting college, I thought that, you know, when I'm talking to someone, when I'm communicating with someone, the mindset, the attitude that I held was that, it actually takes two to communicate because that's what I've been taught. It takes two, right? In a relationship, it takes two, right? And so I believed for the longest time that when I'm, when I'm communicating with someone, it is both of our responsibility to ensure that the communication, our communication is clear. Well, I submit to you that it is actually your responsibility. If you initiate, it is your and only your responsibility to ensure that you're communicating clearly. It's not a mutual responsibility. The one who initiates the conversation must take the responsibility. And to do so means that you clarify, well, what did you hear? Because oftentimes what you say and what you meant to say is not what they heard. So it's actually, if you, if the other person did not hear you correctly or did not interpret what you want, what you were saying or did not take, receive the meaning the way you intended, it's actually your fault. It is not their fault that they weren't listening. It is their, It is your fault that you didn't hold their attention. And it is your fault that you didn't ensure and clarify that they understood correctly. And it's also your responsibility to ensure that you communicate in a way that they can understand. Because remember, communication is something you do for someone, not to someone. So hold the responsibility for communication. The fifth tip is to focus on outcome. In the workplace, you're measured in terms of the value you bring that produces the desired outcomes, the desired outcomes of the company, the department you're on, and especially the team that you're on or the sub-team that you're on in that department. So the desired outcomes are determined by your boss or your supervisor or your manager. And their purpose, the purpose of their boss or their, your direct supervisor is aligned with the purpose of the company. They've, they're hired there to do a job and to produce an outcome for the company. So their purpose is aligned with the purpose of the company. So your actions within the company will produce the outcomes that they want. So the more effective your actions are, the more aligned they are with the team that you're on and the better outcomes you will produce. Right? So you have to be clear on what is the outcome they want and to be able to communicate that from, from your heart and to be, be able to communicate it clearly to yourself. So the effective action that you take 
to produce the outcome is proof of communication. If you are taking action in the company you're working for and your actions are leading to their outcomes, it is proof that there has been communication and that the communication has been effective. Because there must be effective communication in the company before your team can take effective action to produce the desired outcome. So when you communicate, you want to focus on the outcome, what action you need to take, what action do you intend to take to produce that desired outcome. So the outcome comes first. And if communication is proof of effective action and you focus on outcome, then you will always be in good communication. Right? So that's tip number five is to focus on outcome. Tip number six is to be as direct and to the point and concise as possible. Vagueness is so common in the workplace and it ultimately causes you to lose the lead. So what do I mean by lose the lead? If you've ever written a new, uh, not written, sorry, if you've ever read a newspaper, they have headlines. Even newspaper articles have headlines. And they're in the headline, there's something that captivates you, that hooks you in, and therefore it gets you interested in reading the article. And the, gr- the, the greater the force that it hooks you in, the more interested you are in reading the article right now. Right? Some headlines capture you more than others. And that's inevitable. And so the reason why is because in the headline, there is a hook to a lead. So the lead is like kind of like the central idea of what the article is going to be talking about. And they present it in such a way that it hooks you in. And so that's the hook. And so when we say lose the lead, it means that the headline or the central idea has not been clearly communicated So you're lost and you have no idea what the lead is. So that's what it means to lose the lead. So what you want to do to be direct and and to the point and concise is you want to hit that headline first. Hit the headlines. So think of it as publishing a newspaper article and if you want to be the top contributor, you have to hit the headlines in such a way that a lot of readers who come across it will be interested in in reading what you have to say. So hit the headlines first. Don't be long-winded. They don't need to know everything that you know, right? Let go of your ego as it's, because it's not a demonstration of knowledge, right? Think about what the single most important point is that you need to make. What is that single most important point? What is the big domino that the person you're communicating to needs to know? And if they know that thing that you are going to communicate, then it takes care of a bunch of other things. The big domino that knocks down all the little ones. That's the central idea. So ask yourself, what would, what would be the one thing they need to hear from me right now? And that's how you be direct and to the point and concise. The thing that they are most interested in if you are focusing on the outcome because they're going to be focused on their outcomes. So if you're focused on their outcome, what's the one thing they need to hear from you? And that's direct, being direct and to the point. And they will thank you for it. And in the end, you will not regret it either. right? Because then you have their full attention. And they're genuinely interested and you no longer have to work hard to convince them to be interested in what you have to say. Right, so that's the, that's the sixth tip, to be direct and to the point and concise. The seventh tip to communicating effectively is to personalize it. Right, knowing your boss, knowing that person that you are communicating to means changing the way you communicate to fit their personality. Right, it goes much deeper than just the way you express yourself. It's also the way you listen, how you empathize with them, and how you can understand how they think. So it's also how you can build common ground and a real connection to your conversations. Personalize it. What is that Midas touch? What is, what can you do specifically for that person 
that they will appreciate you for. And that's going to be different for everyone. It's like a fingerprint, right? So that requires that you have a little bit of an understanding of who they are and what they prefer. So if you are communicating with someone you never met before, you can look for cues in that conversation. People always give off cues. People give off cues in how they respond to you, how they don't respond to you in their spoken words and in their unspoken words. So there's always a way you can personalize it if you are listening and if you are truly present. The eighth tip, the last tip for today is to respond with curiosity. Because when you respond with curiosity, it allows you to get to the truth and not get resented for responding to their objections. If you are solely interested, if you're in a conversation, for example, and all you want to, all you want to do is to get your point across and all you want to do is just to be understood, that will put you on the defense and they will object. They will be on the defense as well, right? And that will create an adversarial response. So curiosity is the opposite of that. Instead of producing a defense response or an adversarial response, it is influential, especially when you are genuinely curious and you're also caring and concerned about them, right? Because the opposite of curiosity is getting on the defense, which is adversarial. And I go into this more in detail in my previous episode of the Career Visions podcast, where I talked about rejection. So go to that episode and just have a listen to how to handle objections from higher ups at the workplace. And I go into this a little bit more about curiosity. And I also give some examples of questions that you can ask to demonstrate and to really be genuinely curious, right? Because you want to talk more about exactly how to implement curiosity, right? And so I talk more about how to implement that in this episode on how to deal with rejection at work from higher ups. So just click the link. I have the link in the show notes below. You can click the link to learn more about how to approach with genuine curiosity and what specific questions to ask that will raise your influence. Right, so that's all I have to talk about in today's episode. I hope that was helpful. So when you are about to initiate your communications with people in your workplace or even people at home or, or in your personal life, take consideration of these eight tips and tell me what you learned. If you are curious and you want to learn more, and if you have some questions, I invite you to put in the comments below. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode, and we I look forward to adding value in your life and in your career in my next episode.